Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Trading influence for bribes. Oh, this one I didn't see coming. It's funny, I've got audio, but I don't know if it's playing. It's driving me nuts. Sent was it playing? It was not. I didn't think it was. Senator Bob Menendez, Democrat from New Jersey. A series of potential crimes. The indictment coming from the Southern District of New York. I mean, it's crazy. Relationship with three New Jersey businessmen. The bribes included cash, gold, payments toward a home, compensation for a low or no-show job, which is strange because he's already a U.S. senator. Crazy. Wait, does this one work? No. Oh, it's a killer. Forgive me. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. I thought the strike was going to be the thing because the UAW has brought down uh, the next hammer on this distribution part centers. Not the plants. 38 distribution part centers in 20 states. So best of luck getting a part at the local dealership to fix your car. You might want to get that done now. You might want to get that accomplished now and only regarding GM and Stellantis because the UAW feels that Ford has been really good in the negotiation. And maybe they're close to a settlement. Maybe they're close to a deal. So let's take a moment. And break down these top stories. Both these things happen at the same time. I'll, I'll, I'll get to the UAW in a second. Let's start with Senator Bob Menendez, because knock me over with a feather. Remember, Bob Menendez was a guy who was in trouble years ago. It had to do with uh, a doctor in Florida and, and, an, and an airplane and travel and and it was it was a very very weird story but it was a very very powerful story and there was a question of why charges didn't move forward Menendez charged by federal prosecutors from the U.S. Attorney's Office in New Jersey in 2015. Conspiracy, bribery, honest services fraud related to abusing the powers of his office. That he accepted more than $600,000 in political contributions, a hotel suite at the Park Hyatt in Paris, free rides on a private jet from an ophthalmologist named Dr. Solomon Melgen, M-E-L-G-E-N, and did this all in exchange for political favors 2017 mistrial. Nothing happened. You know what happened to Menendez? He got to be chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. That's what he got. You're talking about a major, major committee in the U.S. Senate. And he is the chair of foreign relations. Well, that's going to come to an end. I dare Senator Chuck Schumer 
to keep Menendez on if he's been indicted. Now that he's been indicted, which, of course, is shame on me. They're Democrats. They'll do what they want to do. What are you talking about? This is a big one. This is a big one because it's the same concept. It's the corruption, but it goes much deeper. It was, by the way, it's just, it's just coming out. Bob Menendez will step down from his role in the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. This is a rule as part of the Senate caucus. If you're under indictment, you cannot serve as the, as the chair of the committee. Knew that was coming. Knew that was coming. But you check out what it is in, in, that's, uh, in, in this indictment, and you're like, nah. Because supposedly, uh, they, they found things in his home. It was Jackie Heinrich who I, she had uh, tweeted it out. I keep saying tweet, but it's X. I don't know. I don't know what to call it. Here it is. In his home. Found in the Menendez home, because it's not only Bob Menendez, it's his wife who has also uh, been charged with this. $480,000 in cash. Much of it stuffed into envelopes and hidden in clothing, closets, and a safe along with $70,000 in his wife's safe deposit box, wait for it, as well as over $100,000 worth of gold bars. Actual gold. That's crazy. By the way, it should be noted that he could still serve on the Foreign Relations Committee. He just can't be chairman because he's under indictment. Menendez is like, oh, yeah, I'm going to fight all this. This is totally fine that I have all this cash. And I, I, oddly enough, I'm looking at a photo from the U.S. District Court, Southern District of New York. It is what looks like to be a jacket, like a leather bomber jacket that says Senator Menendez. And there's an envelope, there's a piece of paper, and there's just cash Laying about like Senator Menendez is his rap name. Just cash, hundreds. Just just lay it out right there. Man, I, I, I'll take why people don't trust their elected politician for 500, Alex. Dear good Lord. Menendez is being charged with three alleged crimes, including being on the receiving end of a bribery conspiracy. And this involves some New Jersey business associates. Now, I, I know I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You know what you're thinking. New Jersey business associates. We know what that means right there. Of course we do. It means bring on the theme song. I'm pretty sure that uh, these guys aren't that kind of business associates. Menendez will appear in court on Wednesday. Now, here's where it gets more interesting. This group, the associates, the businessmen, along with um, Menendez and his wife, coordinating to use Menendez's power as a U.S. senator to benefit them personally 
and to benefit Egypt. Okay, let's take a moment. What? Benefit how? In what way? The indictment states the prosecutors accused Menendez of, and I'm, I'm quoting the reporting here, trying to sway the president's choice of the top federal prosecutor in New Jersey to benefit one of the business associates and to pressure the Department of Agriculture to protect the business monopoly another contact had from Egypt. So basically, it's what Joe Biden did for Hunter. Well, tell me I've got it wrong. I dare you. I dare you to tell me I got it wrong. Wow. This is pretty ugly. Now let's get to a part of this that that no one's going to talk about. The Southern District of New York just indicted a Democrat. Well, I guess that means that um, the Department of Justice is on the up and up. People are going to fall for that. And people are going to buy that. And they shouldn't. If you have any senator working to provide influence based on on dollars, you have a problem. Now you say to me, Tony, that's politics 101. I'm not talking about somebody who's a donor and they're listed and everybody knows they're a donor and you can make your decision on whether or whether or not to vote for somebody based on that. I'm not discussing that. I'm discussing the fact that the idea that a U.S. senator has $100,000 in gold in a safe, that came from somewhere. I cannot envision the moment that uh, Senator Menendez or anybody else would have said, you know what, this makes sense. No one can ever track gold bars. They won't know where it came from. And, and if we have to leave quickly, well, gold bars are so easy to carry. They're light as a feather. You see the difference between the two things? Gold bars in the safe is the stuff of movies. It's not rational. It's not rational. It's insane. The the money, $480,000. Now, you'll forgive me. I don't have the answer to this question. What in the world was Bob Menendez's business before being in, in, the, uh, in the Senate? I don't know. I don't know how much money the man comes from. But outside of certain businesses... And and certain levels of wealth, I think the average person would consider four hundred eighty thousand in cash laying around as um, oh you're hiding that. If you told me that Bob Menendez had fifty thousand dollars in cash in the house, I'd say yeah okay I see that. I actually believe that there are a lot of people out there who have that kind of cash in their homes. Things go wrong. Uh, the, the 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 bank has a, has an issue. The, the the electrical grid, the the EMP, whatever whatever it is, we gotta be careful. We gotta be protected. We gotta be safe. I would believe that that's a number that you could find in a fair amount of Americans' homes. 
I don't I don't think I'm off base here. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to out you. Four hundred and eighty thousand, you're a US senator, and then questions get asked. Um, I had someone on uh, on on the X. Oh, there it is Tim Menendez's cartel infiltration. I'm sorry. Are we making the argument that Menendez was working on the inside to be able to find out who these people are? Is is this is this the the conversation? Menendez was working the double agent side. Oh, oh, I I'm not gonna buy into that. I am not buying into that. Nah, this is pretty big. This is pretty big. Right here. And what would make me say that, oh, Menendez is is one guilty you-know-what, is the very idea that he's been through this before. It It was the idea that you ended up with a mistrial. The jury deadlocked. I think he did it. Certainly. Now you've got a history of the same exact type of 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 offense. I don't think it looks good. I don't think it looks good. So that's what's going on with Bob Menendez. Now what's going on with the strike? I will get to that in mere moments. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. So we'll get to the UAW as you now have 30, I think it's 38 distribution centers that will be on strike for General Motors and Stellantis, not for Ford, across 20 states. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. There is a just really fascinating update on this F-35B fighter that crashed in South Carolina. It's... I a fantastic write up over at military.com if we don't have uh this this posted over at tonycats.com uh Sarah let's let's get that done. What we know about the Marine Corps F35 crash, backyard ejection and what went wrong. Um it's fascinating. So I did not know that there are different versions of the F-35. There is one for the Army, not the Army, one for the Navy, one for the Air Force, and one for the Marines. The reason is they have different uses the one that is for the marines the f-35 has the ability to take off and land like a helicopter uh the harrier jump jet uh in great britain which if you've never seen videos of it look it up h-a-r-r-i-e-r it's one of the coolest things you'll ever see that that we we really we really are in in a a world of technical uh, amazement uh it's incredible so, so this, uh, the Marine Corps version can do that. But the Marine Corps version does something else. And this was the Marine Corps jet where the next thing you know, a pilot is like, oh, it's weather. I'm ejecting. And then the plane traveled for another 60 miles. 
Well, if there was a weather issue that was compromising the plane, a problem, you eject and the plane flies for 60 more miles. Maybe there wasn't a problem with the plane. Why in the world did you eject? So immediately people went to what's wrong with this pilot, including myself. And I said, I will not be surprised if we learned that this pilot wasn't properly trained because we know that there are these issues, was not okay uh, in, in, in the head, had an issue, got spooked, and then said, oh, well, screw it, and ejected. But what if that's not what happened? What if the plane ejected him? Follow this. On the F-35B, as opposed to the version of the Air Force and the Navy, the Marine Corps version of this jet, which costs $100 million, by the way, comes from Lockheed Martin. 190 of them have been delivered to the Marine Corps at the cost of, give or take, $100 million apiece. These jets for the Marine Corps have an auto-eject feature. Because of the hovering capability, I mentioned the Harrier jump jet, they felt it best that it have an auto-eject feature for certain potential issues. As opposed to the Navy version or the Air Force version, as discussed in this story at military.com, it has to, an ejection has to be initiated by the pilot. And there have been cases of the seats being checked, double-checked, and rechecked. Because of some of these issues. Back in July of 2022, the Air Force had temporarily grounded the F-35S over ejection seat concerns. So that jet does not have an auto eject, but some of the cartridges that initiate the ejection were found to have issues. They grounded everything. They checked everything. That's why it was kind of interesting that after this, this plane crashed and, and then they found it, they grounded everything for, for a couple days. They, and you were like, what in the world? And you wondered it was training. Maybe it was checking, checking these ejection seats because this seat has had auto eject. So was there an ejection problem? Which is a build problem, for sure. Then you get into the other problem. How in the world were we not able to blow this thing up? You mean you just let it fly for 60 miles? You're lucky it didn't hit a populated area. And then you realize, well, these, these planes are kind of stealth and they're kind of hard to find. You mean we could have a problem where pilots get auto-ejected and we can't track the plane and blow up the plane? What if the plane happened to land in a way that some level of enemy could then take and, and then engage some reverse engineering? A lot has been exposed from this accident. And, and don't get me wrong, we still don't have an answer of whether this was an error from the seat or error from the pilot. But it is a, it's a super fantastic, hey, no politics, just here's the, here's the read, here's the story that you really should take like three minutes and give it a read and you'll be like, first of all, I had never even thought about these things. The people who designed this stuff are thinking light years ahead of us. And then it's, oh, that's fascinating. And then it leads to, okay, that could have happened, but how do you fix that? And then what if that didn't happen? You could start kind of getting a better understanding and asking more direct and focused questions. I'm glad everybody's okay. Now I want to know what the hell happened. United Auto Workers are on strike, but not everywhere, and Ford might get a reprieve. This is Tony Katz Today. 
Hey, everybody. So I have some big news to share. We are announcing the creation of the first ever White House Office of Gun Violence Prevention. And we are doing this work in large part because of the activism, the organizing, the marching, the voting of all of you leaders, be it students, parents, teachers, community leaders, who understand that living free from gun violence should be a right. That's your Vice President Kamala Harris. And yes, indeed, Joe Biden created a meaningless job for his meaningless Vice President to oversee. She did such a bang-up job on the border, she might as well be taking over the White House office on gun violence just with an idea of how well she did as the border czar. Here is Griff Jenkins, sorry, Griff Jenkins of Fox News. And this won't come as welcome news to the White House, but CBP sources confirmed to Fox News just moments ago that the total number of migrant encounters this fiscal year, 2023, have surpassed last year's record-breaking numbers. Take a look here. You see so far this fiscal year, and there's eight days left in this fiscal year, 2,388,350 plus compared to that three, 2,378,000 from last year that shattered the records more than 10,000 and you're getting upwards of 9,000 a day. Let's take a look at the video we saw yesterday all day long here at Ground Zero across the entire southwest border. Uh, Sources telling Fox News there were more than 9,900 encounters yesterday. Just part of why agents here are telling us off camera it's showing no signs of slowing down. So the borders are doesn't show up at the border, I have to assume that she's not going to show up at this new office either. This office created by uh, the Biden White House. First ever White House Office of Gun Violence Prevention. I'm assuming um, the first rule order of business of this office is to say, Hunter Biden bad. What, lying on a form to purchase a firearm, I got to assume. I assume they they they're, they're going to mention that that's a that's a problem. The idea of doing nothing and claiming that it's something it is it is just special. I mean, when you when you have Corinne Jean Pierre uh, asked about the border. Everything with her is just wholly confrontational, the White House press secretary. How many people coming into this country illegally is enough for President Biden? Say that last one. How many people come how many people illegally coming into the United States is enough for President Biden? Like, well, enough point, for what? Five point nine million people have been I, encountered no, I know, illegally. I know the numbers, but enough okay. for what? Enough just to stop the flood. As I mentioned, this is a problem that's been around for some time now, for decades. A broken system. That you've made worse. It's been around for decades. What do you want me what do you want me to say? You're in charge. You're not gonna get me to disagree that the Republicans and the Democrats have both failed here massively. Uh, the point is it's worse now since you've been in office. This is untenable. But she wants to be argumentative. And it was really brought to light in this back and forth with Peter Ducey. What do you call it? 
here at the White House when 10,000 people illegally crossed the border in a single day. So what do you call it, Peter, when GOP puts forth a... a, a wait, no. No, 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 no. No, you can't. Green? I'm answering... Okay, we're going to move You're on. You're answering no, 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 okay. no, 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 we're moving on. Green, moving. please. In the back. No, no. You said you were stopping the, the flow back. of the border. No, no. I tried to answer... Peter, I tried to answer the question. You stopped me. Let's go. That's a coward. Now, you could argue, and as I have, that Peter Ducey could have been a little more direct in, in, in the question and kept it a little more uh, understated. But what do you call it when 10,000 people a day are coming into the country? The answer is an invasion, to which the White House and, and the country has a responsibility under Article 4, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution. But to answer that with a, what do you call it when Republicans, you're in charge. The border is your purview. What are you talking about? Nobody cares that you want to make it a political issue, Corinne Jean-Pierre. Get it done. And getting it done involves a multi-step approach. It involves border security. It involves policy. It involves a humanitarian effort. It involves a foreign policy effort in how we deal with Mexico and other nations. Of course it does. Your answer is, oh, those Republicans. Oh, you coward. It's, it is embarrassing the way these people, act. you know what? Not just embarrassing. Let's, let's say it right. Shall we? Shall, yes, we shall. It's embarrassing. There it is. There it is. The United Auto Workers continue the strike and Ford right now being spared. Because according to the union president, Sean Fain, F-A-I-N is how you spell the last name, uh, the offer from Ford has gotten a little better. They've sweetened the offer. I thought the second part of the strike would take place earlier this week. It took place today. And this strike is different than other strikes because it has taken place as it has against all three of the big three, Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis, formerly Fiat Chrysler, as opposed to going after just one. And they didn't all go out. No, they took people out of a plant in Missouri, people out of a plant in in Michigan, people out of a plant in Ohio. 13,000. But you got 146,000 members plus you can work with less than 10% of the force. You started making news. Well, today... Today was the deadline, right? They were going to do more. Today, Sean Fain told members of the United Auto Workers that the walkout would continue at 38 parts distribution centers across 20 states. Now, you know those states are going to have a, a political uh, a component to them. But note, it's not plants. It is the supplies that will go to whom? Car dealerships. It's parts. Now you have a Jeep dealership or you have a, uh, a, a Chevy dealership. How are you getting your parts? They walked out. But Ford right now is not getting the walkout. They will remain at the Ford distribution centers, so your Ford dealerships should 
be still getting product. Ford putting out a statement uh, that was made to the Daily Caller News Foundation. Ford is working diligently with the UAW to reach a deal that rewards our workforce and enables Ford to invest in a vibrant and growing future. Although we are making progress in some areas, we still have significant gaps to close on the key economic issues. In the end, the issues are interconnected and must work within an overall agreement that supports our mutual success. This is where the conversation is, for me, regarding COLA, cost of living adjustments. Because I have said from the beginning, as we've had this conversation, there is no way the cost of living adjustments are getting in there. It's just not happening. But what I did not consider, and I should, is, well, what if there's, there, right, there's a set of money? In the end, here's the amount of money we as Ford, pick, pick the dealership, or pick the, the, the company, is going to spend. Doesn't matter where it goes. You want it in here, we're going to take it from there. You want it there, we're going to move it from here. We're going to do this, we're going to get this maneuver. In the end, it's all within the confines of 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 a big dollar amount. Cost of living adjustments, I think, would create a a situation that's untenable for, for any of the big three to be able to keep up with. But if it means they're going to do less on the retirement side, then maybe that's the way it goes now. Maybe that's the way it works. So maybe that's something that stays. But to hear Ford say it, and let me quote it again, in the end, the issues are interconnected and must work within an overall agreement that supports our mutual success. That's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing. Ford has offered to reinstate the cost of living of allowance benefits. Given the right to strike over plant closures, job security for up to two years in the event of an indefinite layoff, enhanced profit sharing, and right, that's going to be a bit of a negotiation in and of itself, and the conversion of temporary employees into full-time. That is actually a really weird internal conversation about temporary employees and and how long they've been there and, and what they're making and how they've some people who have been promised full-time have been kept on temporary status. Of course, the union wants them to be full-time. There's a whole dues thing involved with that and a growing of a membership, etc. So Ford has engaged in all this. General Motors and Stellantis have not. GM and Stellantis have stayed away from this part of the conversation. So they will deal with the strike of all the parts distribution centers at GM and Stellantis. 38 locations, 20 states, across what they call all nine regions of the United Auto Workers. As a strategy, I, I, I will admit, this is, uh, this is pretty big. They're doing this rather, rather well. But people find it interesting that Joe Biden is nowhere to be seen. As a matter of fact, Biden was going to send people to the White House, uh, send people from the White House to uh, work on the strike. And then they were like, you know what? We're good. We're good. Uh, The union heard uh, that, uh, hey, Joe Biden's sending help. And they said, oh, God, we don't we don't want any, any, any of that. Joe Biden is sending help? Remain calm. All is well. We're fine here, Joe. We are fine. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, 
Uh, you've been known to make things more difficult. Name me one. Well, Joe, listen, I would. But, oh, look, ice cream. You want ice cream, Joe? Here you go, Joe. That's right, Joe. That's right, Joe. Hey, look, balloons. Oh, you know, you don't have to shoot them down. No, just let them travel across the country and map us. It's cool. It's cool. It's nice to be nice to the Chinese, isn't it? Too soon? Too much? Too soon? I love this show. Did I ever mention that? Did I ever mention that? They didn't want Biden to show up. Now you have Representative Dingle out of Michigan showing up with Andrea Mitchell on MSNBC saying, oh, yeah, Joe Biden shouldn't be there at all. I'll send it back to you. Thank you, Maggie, and uh, I admire your um, your fortitude doing all of that, despite all the noise. Thank you so much for powering through it. Congresswoman, the UAW invited President Biden to come to the picket line. You had advised him not to get directly involved. Has your assessment changed at all? So, you know, all of these things are very complicated and very separate. I don't believe that he belongs at the negotiating table. I do not believe that he should be intervening in this uh, uh, in these negotiations themselves. I think there's a role to play by the administration and policymakers like me in ensuring that people are hearing what's being said to each other, to understanding what the workers need, what we have to do from a policy perspective uh, on uh, to help this transition to electric vehicles and to be ready in a global marketplace to, to stay at the forefront of technology and innovation. Look, I was at Local 900 and watched I don't need to hear any more. There's no need for Joe Biden to take a seat at the table? Oh, okay. Joe Biden could make things worse? Is that what we're hearing? Um, I'm, I'm impressed with the, the Ford move. I, I thought this would take longer. And I, I wonder if, if Ford is... It, I was going to say cracks, but that's really not the right terminology, is it? They come to their deal. Does that put pressure on GM and Stellantis to accept the same? I, I don't know. I don't. But here's where we are right now. 38 parts distribution centers across 20 states for Stellantis and General Motors are going on strike as of right now. So uh, if, if you got yourself a Tahoe, or, or or maybe a maybe a dodge you might want you might want to get that uh problem fixed while the parts are still there could be a day could be a month just saying I'm Tony Katz an excellent piece by Jeff Dunnitz over at the lid lidblog.com project Veritas is dead They've laid off everybody. They pushed out James O'Keefe. The reason Project Veritas exists. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. And full disclosure, I've donated to Project Veritas before. I had no ownership piece I gave because I think the work that O'Keefe was doing, going back to the days of Acorn, was excellent. Well, they pushed James O'Keefe out. They claimed that he breached fiduciary uh, duty and uh, lost the investors. 
They replaced him with Hannah Giles. It was Hannah who worked with him to take down Acorn back in the days of Andrew Breitbart. Rest his soul. Those were, those were fun days. Those were fun days. So she takes over. As people who worked there reported it, all she did was badmouth James O'Keefe. Then there was a mass firing that took place of Veritas employees. They were 65. Remember, Project Veritas did all the undercover kind of uh, investigative work, catching teachers, talking about their, their woke policies, catching, uh, uh, you know, uh, political people lying, catching uh, corporate people talking about how they knew the vaccine X or all sorts of things. So they went from 65 people down to 18 people. Well, now they don't have any people. They're like, well, we thought we had plenty of money. Turns out there's no money. Like they had six to eight million in the bank accounts when James O'Keefe left. James O'Keefe had no access to the money when he was pushed out. Now it's zero. They've halted all investigations, and I think they said they put a pause on investigations. Not going to necessarily see an unpause of them. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a great write-up from Jeff Dunnitz over at lidblog.com. Somebody said, um, we don't need this hassle. Let's just pay ourselves for our services and get out of Dodge. Someone walked away with the money. It wasn't James O'Keefe. This is Tony Katz today.